Lord, this morning we thank you. Father, we give you glory. We trust you this morning. And through the teaching of your word, our hearts may be comforted, be knit together in love. That Father will come to the true riches of the assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God, that is of the Father and of Christ, in whom I heed the tesaros, the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We thank you, Father, that unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, and we thank you for the showers of revelation and that my words will be distilled like drops of rain. And Father, your children will be refreshed by the revelation of your son, Jesus. And not only so, they will be established in the faith, unmovable, not being again tossed by every wind of doctrine and by the cunning slights of man. We thank you, Father, that the church comes to maturity in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated in heavenly glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You ready for the word this morning? Yes, sir. You shake your neighbor, tell the person, are you ready this morning? Are you ready this morning? I didn't say shake him as him. Just tap him and tell him, are you ready this morning? Awesome. I'm ready. Glory, glory, glory. Alright, so we continue with our teaching um, on Christ, the riches of our eternal forgiveness. I told you LGCC is Heaven's University. So anytime you come in for service, come with a notebook because you will write, you will make notes, you write a lot of scriptures. So please kindly come with your notebooks when you're coming. Hallelujah. So we continue with our teaching on um, Christ, the riches of our eternal forgiveness. We've laid a very powerful foundation. And I think uh, we are dealing with part 10 today. So anything you are hearing new, it's because you have not followed part 1 to part 9. Praise God. So if you haven't heard our teaching from part 1 to part 9, you might be a little confused because you, you'll be in the middle of uh, the teaching. When someone is watching a movie and you, 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 you come halfway through, you ask the person, what happened? It's the same. You will not understand the whole thing. Praise God. So it's, it's the same with what we are doing now. Today is part 10. So you are, if today is the first time you're visiting with us here, you are nine lessons away. So we advise that you download our um, podcast app, Anchor. You just have to go to Play Store and download Anchor. You can be able to listen. Just type Isaac Lafapo. You can be able to listen to the audio teachings. Or you can um, just go to YouTube and just type Isaac Lafapo. You can be able to listen to uh, watch our videos. Hallelujah. All right. So Christ, the riches of eternal forgiveness. There's a foundation. Um, I don't want you to ever forget the seven things that Jesus did to our sins. We've taught that already, but I keep repeating it because I want that to stick. When we come to understand this, we'll be secured in our forgiveness. Praise God. We said, number one, Jesus forgave us all our sins. Jesus forgave all our sins. He forgave our past, our present, and our future sins. Now, a lot of people struggle to understand or believe that how can God forgive my future sins? 
Well, God is not a man. That's what the Bible says. So, we've established that his thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are his ways your ways. So, you need to align your thoughts with God's thoughts. Praise God. The Bible says that uh, Colossians chapter 2, the verse 13. Now, look at that. All right, I can read from here. Now, it says, And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of the flesh. Now, I told you that in the New Testament, true circumcision is being born again. When a man is, is, is not born again, he is uncircumcised. And this uncircumcision is not the physical one because what God did through Abraham in the Old Testament was a sign. Praise God. In the Old Testament, circumcision was a sign. How? They cut off the flesh. Then you become a proper Jew. In the New Testament, we, we have spiritual circumcision. Spiritual circumcision is the cutting away or the cutting off of the old man called the flesh. So the Old Testament was done physically, taking off the false king. In the New Testament, the circumcision is the taking away of the old man that was corrupted in sin. So when a man is born again, this man has been circumcised. How? We, we read in uh, the verse 11, it says, In whom also ye are circumcised. So a believer does not need physical circumcision. When he believes Jesus Christ, he's circumcised. He says, in whom ye are circumcised with the circumcision, look at what he said, made without hands. How? In putting off of the body of sins of the flesh. This is your spiritual circumcision. In putting away of the body of the sins of the flesh. Speaking of the old man. Then he says, by the circumcision of Christ, he's telling you that this circumcision is performed by Jesus. It's not performed by a man. Look at the next verse. He says, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the, through the faith of the oppression of God. Now, this tells us that water baptism does not save a believer. We need to get this. Water baptism does not save a believer because it's an oppression of man. It's a physical reality that is actually pointing to something greater that happened 2,000 years ago. The death of Jesus Christ was a baptism. When Jesus died and was buried, he was baptized into death. When he was raised, he was raised into glory. When a man puts you into water, what happens is that he's reminding you that as you enter the water, you died with Christ. As you were buried, you were buried with Christ. And as you were raised, you are raised with Christ. So it is not the water that saves you. Remember in the story of Noah, it was not the water that saved them. What saved them? The ark saved them. So he's telling you water baptism does not save. Christ saves. Because it was their presence in the ark that guaranteed their salvation. It's our in being Christ that brings our salvation. So now, he says, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the oppression of God. He's telling you real baptism is you being raised from spiritual death. Mm. Hallelujah. So, by the oppression of God, telling you this, this baptism is God's oppression. How? Who had raised him from the dead. Look at the next verse. 
Now he says, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, had he what? Quickened. The word quickened means to make alive. Together with him, telling us that Jesus Christ did not rise alone. Just like Adam did not sin alone. When Adam sinned, you were in him. So what Adam did, you did in him. So what Adam became, became your worth. Adam's work became your worth. So though you are not seen physically, in Adam you are seen because Adam was not representing a singular man. He was representing a corporate man. That is why the Bible says, God said to them, be fruitful. So there was a generation in Adam. And every man that came from Adam's blood was corrupted by sin. So now it was unfair. Every man was in jeopardy. That is why you don't seem to become a sinner. You sin because you are a sinner. There is a sin nature in you that propels you to sin. So we have always been saying that sin is first of all a noun before it becomes a verb. Sin is who a man is before it becomes what a man does. So in salvation, God must deal with who you are before he deals with what you do or what you will do or what you have done. So we said in the cross, God terminated the old man. In his blood, he washed your sins. That's what he did. So now this scripture is saying he had quickened together with him. Remember, Adam sinned together with us. So when Christ died, we also died with him. When he was raised, the Bible says we were quickened together with him. So history records the death of one man. But eternity records the death of all men. Because in 2 Corinthians 5.14, the Bible says, If one died, then all died. Look at that. He says, For the love of Christ constrained us, because we judged us that if one died for all, then what? We are all dead. So in the death of Jesus, we all died. Back to Colossians. When Christ was quickened and made alive, because we all died, we were all quickened. And because we were all quickened, we were all raised. And because we were all raised, we all resurrected. And because we were all resurrected, we all ascended. And because we all ascended, we are all seated. When a man believes this reality, he experiences the divine life. No So he says, and you being dead in your sins. <laughs> And the uncircumcision of your flesh had he quick together with him. Look, what accompanied that quickening is that having forgiven past tense all your trespasses. The word all means all, but it also means your past, your present, and your future. Now, this reality must sink. When Jesus died, were you born? When Jesus died, had you seen physically? So all your sins were in the future. So now, question, if Jesus died, did he die for your past? So let's define your sin when Christ died. When Christ died, your sin was in future past, future present, and future future. So if Christ died for your sins 2,000 years ago, that means he forgave your past, 
your present and future. Now, if you cannot understand this, it's simply because the human mind cannot grasp such truths. That is why he says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So this is a spiritual reality. So the Bible says, by faith we understand. We don't understand with the mind. So when a man believes this, that is why the gospel is too good to be true. The word gospel is good news. Good news is from the Greek word euangelion. Euangelion is from two Greek words. Eo and angelos. Eo means good or glad or happy. Angelion is the word from which we have the word angelos, from which we have angel, who is a messenger. So, Il Angelion is a message that is brought to you that is good. So, this gospel is that Christ died, he was buried, and he was raised. He ascended and he is seated. Now, when a man believes this reality, he has received Christ. In receiving Christ, he has received forgiveness. Mm. Like we have said, forgiveness is not something God does when we beg. Forgiveness is what God did when Christ died. Hey. All right. Um, so, Thank you, Holy Spirit. So, we said Christ forgave all our sins. So, the believer's sins have been forgiven. Now, a lot of times we say Christians will quote 1 John 1 9 if we say we have not sinned. Now, I want you to take your time because that's a full topic on it, so we are going to deal with that. But you see, the same John that said if we confess, we need to know who he was talking to. That same John, right before the chapter 2, the verse 1, he shocked us. The same John says, If we say you have not seen, if we deceive ourselves and the truth is not number, if we confess, it's faithful and just forgive. That same John, look at what he said. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. He says, And if any man sin, I thought he was coming to say, Beg him. What did he say? We have an advocate. Who is an advocate? A lawyer. He says this advocate is with the father. Jesus, the righteous. Now look at the next verse. He says, and he is the propitiation. He last command. Which means the mercy seat. Or the atoning victim for our sins. Not only for us. Not for us only. But also for the sins of the whole world. So even the sins of the whole world has been dealt with. Forgiven. Now, in that same verse, John, come to the verse 12 of that same verse. Look, he says, I write to you little children. Now, you see, he was referring now to the believer. We are going to come there. I write to you little children because your sins are forgiven for, for your confession's sake. For his name's sake. So, just these two scriptures alone is almost contradicting what the same John said just a chapter before. So you need to understand who John was referring to and what he meant by confessing your sins. You are getting there soon. So Jesus forgave all our sins. Number two, Jesus removed all our sins. We have explained that. 
Jesus removed all our sins. Psalm 103, the verse 11 and 12. He says, for as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. Anytime you see fear in the Old Testament uh, write-ups, that word fear is talking about believing. That fear there is talking about what? Believing. Because the word fear there is not phobia. The word fear there is high respect or high regard. So in the New Testament, when the gospel is preached to you and you believe Christ, you have had high regard for his work. That is fear. Are you seeing this? So, he says in the verse 12, he says, as far as the east is from what? The west. Can the east and the west meet? Good. He says, so far has he removed our transgressions. John 1, 29 says, behold the lamb of God that taketh away, that removes the sin of the world. So, Jesus removed our sins. Number three, we said Jesus buried our sins. Micah chapter 7, the verse 19. Jesus buried our sins. Look, he says he will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities. So Christ subdued our iniquities. Thou will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. The depths of the sea is figurative, talking about hell. So when Christ died, he bore our sins. Where did Jesus go when he died? hell he rose on the third day did he rise with your sins so where are your sins your sins are in hell so if you're looking for your sins go to hell this is good man now the purpose of this teaching is to free the believer from sin consciousness there are a lot of believers who are living in sin consciousness yet they think they are spiritual it's just sin consciousness We're going to teach sin, sin consciousness also soon. Number four, we said he forgot your sins. Hebrews chapter 10, the verse 16 and 17. God does not remember your sins. Now look, this is the covenant that I will make. This is the problem of the church. This is the problem of many ministers of the gospel. They don't know the difference between the Old Testament and New Testament. It's a big problem. That is why I teach these things with so much passion and emotion. Because it's so painful that the church is being robbed of their inheritance in Christ. Look, he says, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days. So this is not mosaic covenant. He says, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into your hearts and I'll write them. Will I write them in their minds? Okay, next verse. He says, and they are sins. And their lawless deeds or iniquities will I remember no more. Come to Hebrews chapter 10 verse 1. I need to repeat these things onto his sticks. He says, for the law having a shadow of good things to come. So, the people living under the law system of Moses did not enjoy the good things to come. They were living in shadows. That's why I pity a man who says, I want to be like Elisha or Elijah or something. The Bible says these guys all are having the promises. They were not even made perfect without us. So you cannot pray to become like Elijah. How? I want to become like Moses. Come on. Isn't Jesus enough? Listen. 
The Bible says, in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You want to become like Moses. And the Bible says, you are complete in him. Who is the head of all principalities and powers? You want to become like Moses? Come on! Moses wanted to become like you. Hmm. For the Lord having shut off good things to come, and not the very image of those things, look, can never... With those sacrifices, what sacrifices? Animal sacrifices. Look, which they offered year by year continually. Continually. So there were continuous offerings every day, every month, every week, and every year. He says, make the comments thereof, thereof perfect. So th- those who came to experience the sacrifice, those who the sacrifices were, ma- were made for were not perfect. Look, for 1,500 years, animals were killed every day, every time. Yet, they were not perfect. Look at the next verse. He says, for then would they have, would they not have ceased to be offered? It means if he made people perfect, they would have finished offering it. Look, he says, because that the worshippers once perished should no more have what? Conscience of sins. Look at the next verse. He says, but in those Old Testament sacrifices, bulls and goats, a remembrance again of sins, there is what? Every year. So in the Old Testament, sin was remembered. So in Hebrews, that same Hebrews chapter 10, it comes to the verse, let's go to the verse 10 first. And let's go downwards. Look, by which will, oh, come to, come to six. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast no pleasure. He was telling us that the animals that was offered, God did not have any pleasure in them. He has no pleasure. You know why? The first person to offer sacrifice was not man. When Adam sinned and he was naked, God used the skin of an animal to cover him. So who made that sacrifice? God. That means the animal innocent was killed. The animal innocent was exchanged. The animal innocent was deskinned, made naked to cover Adam. Telling us that innocent animal was Christ. He died. Who offered him? God delivered him. So who actually gave the sacrifice? So God himself does not need sacrifice. Men need it. So he had to... So the, the sacrifice God had pleasure in was the sacrifice he gave. Not what men brought to him. Because the blood of bulls does not pacify him. In, he said, then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. Ah. He says, then I come in the volume. The word volume is kephalis, which means a title, caps. It means, <laughs> in the volume of the book, the word book is biblion, which means a written document. It is written, the word written is graphe, which means to inscribe, to prescribe, or to compose. So, he says, it is written of who? Me. He called all the books of the Old Testament, book. In the volume, he didn't say in the volume of the books. He said, in the volume of the book. In other words, the whole books is one book because it talks about one person. 
To do thy will, O God. So when you are reading the Old Testament, don't be finding out what you must do. You must be finding out what Christ did. Next verse. Above when he said, sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither had pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Mm -hmm. He says, then said, Lo, I come in the volume. Uh, I come to do thy will, O God. Look, he taketh away the first. What is the first? The old covenant. That he may establish the second. So if you are still living in the first, you, you are doing yourself. Because the second has been established. Look at the next verse. By the which will? What will? The New Testament. We are sanctified, made holy. Made holy. Not by the good things we did. We have explained that holiness is not doing. Holiness is being. Listen, according to the law of first mention, when you want to study how a subject should be studied, you must learn first of all how it was used the first time. The first time you see sanctification or sanctify or holy, it was in Genesis 2. The Bible says, and God rested on the Sabbath day. And God blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, did the Sabbath day live a holy life? Yet God blessed it and made it holy. So that tells you, holiness is not what a man does. But holiness can become the effect of what a man does. Or it is a holy life is the effect rather of holiness. Now let me explain. God blessed the Sabbath day. We have explained who is the Sabbath. What is Sabbath? Rest. God rested from all his works. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight. He says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Who is Sabbath? Christ. So when the Bible says God blessed the Sabbath, who did he bless? So the blessings is in Christ and made it holy. Who is holiness in? In Christ. So what is holiness? Holiness means that which is hollow and uncommon. Christ is hollow and uncommon. That is why when a man is in Christ, he is also hallowed and uncommon. He's holy. Can you imagine that God's presence entered into a bush? A bush is dirty. A bush is what? Dirty. Yet Moses was coming close to that same dirty bush. God says, remove your sandals. For where you are standing is what? How can a dirty bush be holy? Why? God's presence was there. God's presence is holiness. Where is God's presence? By which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. How many times? Once. What sanctified us? The offering of the body of Jesus. Look at the next verse. He says, and every priest standard daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. Now, there was no chair in the tabernacle and the temple. Why? Because God wanted to paint a picture in, the, in man's mind that the offerings were never over. So you can't sit down. To sit means you are done. 
So there was no chair. God was telling you the work is not done. Look at the next verse. But this man, this man, who? This man, after he had offered how many sacrifices? Look at the verse 10. The, the verse 10 again. Sorry, the verse 11. Look. Every priest standard when? Daily. Ministering and offering what? Offering the what? Same sacrifices which can never? Next verse. But this man, after he had offered how many times did they offer in the Old Testament? Offering. How many times did this man offer? Which sacrifice was that? The sacrifice of himself. What did he do? He sat down. That means the sin issue is done. That is what we are about to tell people. Nobody goes to hell because of sin. A man goes to hell because he rejected the one who took care of his sins. That, that is called unpardonable sin or sin against the Holy Ghost. When Jesus said every sin that a man committed, can, every sin, sin against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but sin against the Holy Ghost cannot be forgiven, not in this age or that which is to come. Now, can he be stealing? Why? Because still is forgivable. Can it be telling lies? So what is unpardonable sin? The Bible tells us that Jesus said when the Holy Ghost comes, he will do three things. He says he will reprove the world of sin. Why? Because men do not believe in me. Now, the Holy Ghost convinces a man of the sacrifice of Jesus. The only sin against an unbeliever is the sin of unbelief. The only sin that can take a man to hell is the sin of not believing Christ. So when a man rejects the testimony of the Holy Ghost about Jesus, he has committed an unpardonable sin. Because if his blood forgave you and you don't believe, can there be forgiveness for your unbelief? That's unpardonable. Sin against the Holy Ghost is continuously rejecting Christ. His finished work. Back to our teaching. Sat down on the right hand of God. Look at the next verse. He says, from henceforth, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. Next verse. For by how many offerings? One offering. He had perfected. He has perfected. Now, what is perfected? It's from the Greek word teleos. Teleos. Or teleo. When anglicized, we have Telephone, telegram, telescope, television. What is telegram? To write from a distance. Telephone, to speak from a distance. Television, to view from a distance. Telescope, to see from a distance. So what am I saying? When a man is watching television, he is not at the place where they are doing the thing. But the television helps him to arrive at that place. So, the word teleo, which is perfected, means that we and Christ's perfection was from a distance. But by his offering, he made us arrive. He made us arrive at his perfection, though from a distance. 
So his finished work made us arrive at perfection. We call it teleos. It means to arrive. So the believer has arrived in Christ. He's perfect. Though he's perfect, yet he's been perfected. How? By the renew of his mind. He has perfected them that are what? Sanctified. Look at the next verse. He says, Wherefore the Holy Ghost is a witness to us, for after that he said before, mm -hmm, this is the covenant. That's what we, we read some few minutes ago. So now he's telling you details of the new covenant. That in this new covenant, God does not remember our sins anymore. What is no more? A very, very serious Greek word. No more means no more. You've seen no more, you want Greek? Number six, the Bible says, uh, number six, he was punished for our sins. Number seven, he has cleansed us of all our sins. Good. So, last week we were continuing on another topic under the same topic, divine realities of forgiveness. We said, number one, forgiveness is a person, is in a person, and it's in a message we preach. It is a gift. Christ himself is forgiveness. When a man preaches Christ, he's preaching forgiveness. When a man receives Christ, he has received what? Forgiveness. Ephesians 1, the verse 7. It says, in whom we have what? Redemption. In whom we have what? Redemption. Now, we, ex we established that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the verse 30, the Bible tells us that it is of him that we are in Christ, who has been made unto us wisdom, sanctification, righteousness and what redemption so we have established that redemption is a person it is it is a, a who not a what so if the bible says in whom we have redemption what does it mean in whom we have christ the forgiveness of sins according to what the riches of his grace when a man has christ what does he have the forgiveness of sins hallelujah we said number two, forgiveness is once and eternal. We have read a lot of the, uh, things already. Sacrifices were made every year. They could not take away sins. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ was offered how many times? Once and forever. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12. Now look at this. Hebrews 9, 12. He says, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. We said blood means life. His entire work of redemption, revealed in resurrection. He says, he entered once into the holy place, having obtain what eternal redemption what is redemption forgiveness of sins so he has obtained eternal forgiveness of sins praise god i have forgiveness number three we said forgiveness is an expression of god's grace and love forgiveness is an expression of god's grace and love Forgiveness is an expression of God's grace and love. Ephesians 1, 7. He says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Not according to the riches of our conversion, but according to the riches of his grace. Look, according to the riches, Pluto's valuable bestowment of his finished work. Look at the next verse. Wherein he has abounded. The word abounded is perisio, which means to superabound or to increase. 
So he calls forgiveness, which is an act of his grace, to superabound toward us in all wisdom. Sophia, which is supreme intelligence. And phronesis, which is prudence. Which means all understanding and careful evaluation. So God carefully evaluated our forgiveness before he gave it to us. So when a man says, no, 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 I don't believe God has forgiven me already in Christ. You are saying God is not wise. I'm teaching good here, man. I'm blessed because I'm forgiven. That's what I'm teaching now. So today's message. Number four. Let's get ready to rumble. All right, so you're ready, man. All right. Number four. Forgiveness is a blessing. Forgiveness is a blessing. Now, let's read Ephesians chapter 1, the verse 3. Forgiveness is a blessing. Please listen to me carefully. Please listen carefully. You need to listen carefully. All right. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, who has blessed us with all Watch it again. I know why. Who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings where in? You see the places is in bracket. The word places is not actually there. They wanted it to make sense. It's actually in heavenly. That means it's not of this earth realm. So it's not as though it's in heavenly places. No. He said it's, it's in the heavenly. That means it is not of this earth realm. Our blessing is not earthbound. It's not of this earth reality. So he says, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly in Christ? So that heavenly is in Christ. He's telling you what we have as spiritual blessing is not of this realm. It's in the realm of Christ. So Christ himself is that heavenly. Now, you see that he attached spiritual to the blessing. Did you see that? He attached spiritual to what? Blessing. And he says he has blessed us with all what? Spiritual blessing in the heavenly in Christ. So whatever he's going to tell you next is a list of the blessings. Do you see semicolon? So he's going to list the blessings for you. Next verse. Blessing one. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Look, before the foundation of the world, God chose us to be holy. That tells you holiness has got nothing to do with what you do. Don't confuse holiness with holy life. Holiness is a person. A holy life is what happens to you when you receive that person and you are conscious of it. So he says, according as he has chosen. So blessing one, we have been chosen. The believer has been chosen of God. He says, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame, unblameable. God does not find fault with you. How? He, he, he foreordained it before time that you will be without blame. What if I stole? He says that you should be without blame. He 
See, that is why it's a blessing. So don't, don't try to reason it. In love. Look at the next verse. Next blessing. Having predestinated. So did you see that Jesus is not a destiny changer? Destiny changer. Jesus. Come and change my destiny. Hi! <laughs> he predestined us unto adoption of children. Being a child of God is destiny. Predestined to predestine means to destine before time unto the adoption of children. When you see adoption in New Testament, don't think of you not having a child and going to get a child. That is English adoption. The understanding of a Jewish man about adoption is that I will give birth to my own child, but because he's a child, he cannot drive by car, he cannot inherit what I have acquired because he's a child. So I'll have to grow him. When he comes to maturity, I adopt him and make him ready for my inheritance. So Jewish adoption is raising someone to a place where he can inherit. So he's saying, having predestined us unto adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. That means Christ, you know, sometimes this gospel, you have to try to put it in words that people can get. We were adopted to be sons by Jesus Christ to himself. In other words, Christ is the maturest person for the inheritance. He says to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ. That means Jesus has become the maturity for us to receive the inheritance. Some of you get it in 10 years. I know. It's okay. According to the good pleasure of his will. Look at the next verse. He said, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us what? Accepted in the beloved. The believer is accepted in the beloved. When you know that, listen, it's not will accept. It's what? Accepted. In the beloved. You know what it means? You can't read this scripture and be scared of going to hell. You are accepted in the beloved. You cannot be rejected in the beloved. It's past things. Accept it. Look at the next blessing. This is where the message is. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. What is forgiveness? Per what we read in the verse 3. It's a spiritual blessing. So, when I say a man is blessed, what am I saying? He is forgiven. Listen to me carefully. Today, we have, we, you see, as a church and as ministers of God, we need to be careful how we share the gospel. Because to a certain extent, it is producing greed, greed in the heart of men. We attribute God's faithfulness to physical things. Example, you see a believer giving a testimony. God is faithful. God is faithful. How is he faithful? He delivered me from accident. 
Okay, we thank God. One of believers who had accident and died. God is not faithful. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Beloved, God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Beloved, I'm married. So, the goodness of God is marriage. What of those who are not married? That means God was not good. Are you seeing this thing? Someone says, I thank God he has blessed me so much in many cars and houses. Be careful of that language. That means those who don't have cars are not blessed. That is why I want to teach you on the blessing of Abraham. Then you get to understand that the blessing of Abraham is not things. Listen, if you are delivered from an accident, just thank God and leave. Listen, the faithfulness of God is not seen in physical things. The faithfulness of God is seen in what he did in Christ. Do you know why the faithfulness of God is in Christ? Because it is in Christ that men, all men of all races can possess. Listen, do you know that not all Christians will marry before they die? Do you know that not all Christians will have a car before they die? Do you know that not all pastors will be blessed before they die? You know, sometimes, even as ministers, we need to be careful. He says, if you serve God, he will bless you. He will bless you with good things. He will bless you with the house. So, serve him faithfulness. So, now, you see, we see houses to be the end result of laboring for God for 30 years. The apostles labored for years. You know their results? Beheading. Hanging. Peter was crucified upside down because he said he was not worthy to be crucified like Jesus because he betrayed him. Apostle Paul was beheaded. According to history, blood did not flow. Milk flowed. So, today when we see a man of God who is struggling, you know what they said? He was disobedient. When we see a man of God who is blessed with cars, ah, why is Listen, there are men in the village faithfully preaching the gospel, yet they don't even have food to eat. Sometimes I feel embarrassed because we are going to stand with these same people in heaven. And men are boasting, I now have cars. God has been faithful. Houses, God has been good. Something that does not go with you when you die can never be a blessing. Please listen to me carefully. Something that cannot go with you when you die cannot be a spiritual blessing. It cannot be God's blessing. Because what God gives to you goes along with you in eternity. Listen. The Bible says Abraham was rich in cattle. Very rich in cattle. If Abraham's blessing was cattle, nobody's blessed because none of you have cattle here. Do you have donkeys at home? Do you have horses at home? You are not blessed. So now, many people attribute faithfulness, the goodness of God, the blessing of God, to marriage, having a new job, having a new house, buying a land. Oh, thank you, Lord, for these blessings. Many blessings you've given to me. So imagine, many blessings you've given to me, and your fellow believer is standing beside you. 
You know what he's saying? He says, God, you have not been faithful. You haven't. Because my fellow believer has it. I don't have it. When we are done teaching you about the blessings of God, you know that the blessing of God is what every believer has in Christ. Listen, what every believer does not have in common is not a blessing. Did you hear this? From today, you get to understand that when you have a car and someone's not having a car, it's not blessing. So, stop seeing God's faithfulness. Hey, 12 years, 15 years. And this guy just started six years and he's having a car. Be careful. Be very careful. I've served God for 25 years of my life. I was praying every day, yet I didn't have anything. Do you know what your prayers did for that 25 years? Listen to me. Anytime blessing is mentioned, even throughout the Old Testament, it was not in things. Hear me well. The Bible says, God said to them, Adam and Eve, be fruitful. The Lord blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. What was the blessing? It was in the message. He blessed them and said, he blessed them and said, it was in the message. Do you know in Genesis chapter 12, look at the verse 2. Please pay attention to this. Genesis 12, the verse 2. Look. And I will make thee a great nation. I will what? Bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. He says, I will bless you. Make thee a great nation. Make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. Genesis chapter 13, the verse 1. Abraham went out of Egypt, and he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him into the south. Look at the next verse. And Abraham was what? Very rich in cattle, and in silver, and in gold. He was what? Very rich. He was very rich. Genesis chapter 22, the verse 17. You come to 16. Please pay attention to this. And said, by myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and thou hast not withheld thy son, thy only son. Look at the next verse. He says that in blessing I will. Genesis 12, God says I will what? Bless you. In Genesis 13, he was very rich. Yet God is still promising him a blessing. Are you understanding this? Genesis 12, God says, I'll bless you and make you a blessing. Genesis 13, he was very rich. Yet in Genesis 22, God is still promising a blessing. So was the wealth the blessing? So Abraham was not blessed yet. Look, I will multiply you in, multi in multiplying, I'll multiply you. Thy seed as the what? Stars of the heaven. And as the sun which is upon the sea. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. Question. What is Abraham's blessing? Abraham's blessings are mine. Abraham's blessings are mine. I am blessed in the morning. I am blessed in the evening. Abraham's blessings are mine. Beautiful. What are Abraham's blessings? 
Can I shock you? Do you know Abraham did not have Abraham's blessing? Abraham himself did not have Abraham's blessing. What is Abraham's blessing? God says, I'll bless you. Until we understand New Testament, we will never understand Abraham's blessing. Galatians chapter 3, the verse 6. Look, even as Abraham believed who? God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. Look at the next verse. He says, know ye not, know ye therefore, that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. He said, his seed shall be as the stars. Who are the seeds of the stars? Those who believe. Who? Christ. Next verse. Look. And, <laughs> and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify what? Gentiles through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham saying, indeed shall all nations be blessed. Look. For the scripture foreseeing that God would do what? God will do what? Justify who? Gentiles through faith. Preached before the gospel to who? Abraham. Genesis 12 was what? Gospel. What is gospel? Christ died. He was buried. He was raised. Ascended and gave us the spirit. Look. He says in the scripture. What is scripture? Old Testament books. Foreseen. Foreseen. That God will do what? Justify the Gentiles through preached unto Abraham the gospel saying indeed shall all nations be blessed. What is the blessing? Number one, justification through faith. Justification through faith. That means being made righteous without your works. Be made righteous without your works. That's Abraham's blessing. Let's read further. Come to the verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now, anytime you are reading Deuteronomy 28 and you see curse shall be the outgoing, is he referring to the believer? Why? Because Christ has redeemed us from what? The curse of the law. So Deuteronomy 28 and the curses in it are not referring to believers. Because Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being what? Made a curse for us. Look. For it is written, curse is everyone that hangs on a tree. Look at the next verse. Look at Abraham's blessing. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through who? Jesus Christ. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through? What is the blessing of Abraham? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the blessing. Look, that we might receive that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus. What is the blessing of Abraham? 
that we might receive the promise of the spirit through faith. What is the blessing of Abraham? Number one, justification through faith. What is the blessing of Abraham? Number two, receiving the Holy Ghost through faith. Abraham's blessings are mine. What are the blessings? Justification, receiving the Holy Ghost. That, when a man believes Christ, everyone has it. That is the blessing. Now you can boldly say, I'm blessed without pretending. <laughs> you know, most of the time, a lot of the blessings we say, I'm blessed. You know you don't have any. You know. And it's like, sometimes you're trying to fake the thing. Listen, now you can be real to yourself. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. You see how the pressure has lifted up? I'm blessed. How? I'm justified by faith in Christ. And I have the Holy Ghost. Now, let me ask you a question. The Holy Ghost and car, which one is better? You can't even compare. It's even an insult to say Holy Ghost and car. But yet, believers have the Holy Ghost, yet they don't believe they are blessed. Because we think like men. Can I shock you? If Abraham's blessing was things, properties, house, new job, car, those who don't have them are not blessed. And guess what? Those who have them are blessed. In other words, if an unbeliever has cars, he's blessed. If the sheikhs in Dubai own real estates, they are blessed. They are blessed, not only blessed, but they have Abraham's blessing. You see how many of you are confused now? Because that is how we have taught it. That a believer has blessing because he has things. Now you can be bold saying, I'm blessed. How? I'm justified by faith and I have the Holy Ghost. That is blessing. Romans chapter 4, the verse 6. Please, go and read these scriptures yourself. He says, even as David... Do you know David had money? Do you know he was rich? He was the one who even supplied the goods for Solomon's temple. Which was worth $56 billion when calculated today. Yet David said, even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputed righteousness without works. And look at the next verse. He said, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. David said these people are the ones who are blessed. Blessed are they. Blessed are who? They whose iniquities are forgiven. Forgiven. What is the blessing in the New Testament? Forgiveness of sins. I have forgiveness because I begged. No, because I wrote on the floor. No, do you know the prodigal son confessed all his confession? He memorized it. When I go, I'll say to my father, I am unworthy. You know why he was going home? Many of you thought he was going home because he repented. No, he says, I know in my father's house, even the servants have food to eat. Let me return again. So he was going because of food. No, go and read Luke 16. He was going back home because of food, not because he repented. 
Because he knew even the servants eat. So let me go and sell myself so I can have food to eat. So he rehearsed. I'll say, Father, I'm on, I've sinned against heaven and earth. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of the servants. Why? So that I can eat. <laughs> so the guy went. The Bible says this guy was coming from afar. His father saw him and ran and kissed him. He went to meet him, hugged him, and kissed him on the neck. In the Bible, they have different kinds of kisses. And their meanings. Kiss on the hand is worship. Kiss on the cheek is betrayal. Judas will tell you. Kiss on the lips is intimacy. In Songs of Solomon 1, verse 1, he says, Let him kiss me with the kisses of thy mouth, for thy love is better than wine. Now, many of you, when you read Solomon, the book Songs of Solomon, someone says, When I read Songs of Solomon, I have erections. There's something wrong with you. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, someone told me that. Because many of you are reading Songs of Solomon with a dream bunny, a dream fee. So, you see, he says, thy breast satisfied me. So, you read it as breast. No. Solomon was writing to his bride, who was a Shunammite. Solomon was the son of David. In the New Testament, Matthew chapter 1, the verse 1, the Bible says, this is the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David. He did not put Solomon there. Jesus. Who is the son of David? Jesus. Who was it supposed to be? Solomon. The wealth of Solomon represents the wealth of Christ. In redemption. The Bible said he was so rich that all men came to seek him. Christ's riches of his finished work is so rich that men come to receive him. He has so much glory that the queen of Sheba doubted and said, this is false. When she herself came and saw the word of Solomon, he says, no, it was only half that was told me. And the Bible says the spirit left her. When men come from afar and they hear of the good news of Christ and his glory, they doubt it. But when they come to realize even the truth, they'll get to know that what they were told was even half of what Christ has done. <laughs> Solomon means prince of peace. Who is our prince of peace? Christ. When Jesus came in Matthew 12, he says, hey, a greater than Solomon is here. Why? Solomon had wisdom. Christ is the wisdom of God. So Solomon was writing a love letter to his bride, Shunammite. Who is that bride? The one Shunammite is from the Hebrew Shunami, which is the feminine version of Solomon. So the Shunami or the Shunammite was the church. So the letter of Solomon to the bride is Christ's letter to us. So you must interpret it in the light of the finished work. He says, let her come to my chambers. He's saying that in Christ we have entered into the same bedroom with Christ. So, soon I'll take time to teach you the whole book of Songs of Solomon. <laughs> Alright. So, back to... Where were we? Ah, back to sender. <laughs> Hallelujah. Alright, so Romans chapter 4, the verse 6. Please follow this. Even as David described it. So David did not have it. He can only describe it. 
The blessedness. So these are the blessed men of the man whom God imputed righteousness without his works. What is righteousness without works? Having a righteousness that your works did not attain. Did you hear that? Look at the next verse. Saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are shouted. Whose iniquities are? So who is a blessed man? A forgiving man. So now we have, we have decoded that number one blessing is justification through? Number two blessing is what? Receiving the Holy Ghost. Number three is what? Forgiveness. So forgiveness does not come by begging. The guy, the father of the prodigal son was a rabbi. Do you know those days? Rabbis were not supposed to run. Yeah, the man ran. He broke protocol. Kissed this guy and the boy was about to rehearse his confession list. And the Bible says the father said, take him in. Give him a good bath. Kill the fattest animal and let's party. The father did not wait for the boy to confess. You see, many of you are having that mentality that unless I beg God, God will not forgive me. I told you, God does not react as if um, when you sin, then God says, Hey! Hey! Then God is surprised. Then God is waiting. So, Baba. Then you come. Papa Yesu. Fam Bonchem. My father is looking at you. My father Bonchem. And the world they're here in the office. I said, Father, please, I'm, I'm begging. So many of you, you think the more you, you stay long in begging, then God is cooling down. He says, God, you are forgiven. God does not react. Can you imagine even a nursing mother does not react? When a, a woman who has given birth is going out, he, even when before the baby came, pampas was made ready before the baby came. Why? Mama knows baby will poo-poo and wee-wee. So even mothers proact. When they are going to town, it doesn't take them by surprise. Then the baby poopoo say, "Hey, what should I do?" No, she already has pampers, wipes already. So are you saying that our mothers are wiser than God, or more proactive than God? God proacted. In forgiving you. And you reacted by receiving it. So your reaction in God's goodness is to receive it. Forgiveness does not come by confession. It comes by a gift. It comes as a gift. Receiving Jesus is receiving forgiveness. Please note that. This is part 10. So if you are not hearing fresh, you are nine lessons away. So please get the tapes. And get blessed and enriched. Praise God. Hallelujah. Good. So we've told you that what do you do when you realize that you have made a mistake? The Bible says, let the weak say, I am. Why didn't the weak say, I am weak? Why didn't the poor say, I am poor? He said, let the poor say, why? Because by confessing it, by confessing that you are strong, you release the power of strength. But when a believer makes a mistake, he says, go and talk about it. No. 
What do you say? I am God's righteousness in Christ. When you are saying that, you are being empowered to live that righteous life. So what do you do? You go back into the scriptures to look for God's word concerning that weakness. Did you hear that? David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin. That means believers who keep sinning continuously are those who lack a revelation of who they are in Christ. Because when God's word, the revelation of Christ is in your heart, you will not sin. Are you getting that? So sin is lack of revelation. You don't have information. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another. So we have believers who go to God crying every time. God, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. Give me, give me, give me. Lord, I won't do it again. Yet they'll go and do it again. That's not true transformation. But those who know they are forgiven now go to look in the scriptures concerning God's word in their lives. If I'm a righteous man, I've told you when you know your position, you know your conduct. Do you know that the first question God asked man after sin is, Adam, where are you? God was not asking of his physical geographication. God already knew where he was. But he says, where are you? It was a spiritual location. It was a position. Remember, they were naked, yet he did not realize it. Why? Because they were lost in glory. That was the position. When he fell, he fell short of that glory. That was sin. So God was asking, Adam, where are you? That was the first question God asked. The fourth question God asked was, where, what have you done? What have you done? Which came first? Where are you? Position. Which came next? What have you done? Conduct. That means if your position where you are is right, what you do will also be right. If a man is wearing a white cloth and is conscious of the dress he's wearing, he knows how he walks. He does not sit at a place where there is oil. Yesterday, my, we were celebrating my dad's birthday. We were doing some little gathering. I was wearing a white trousers and I was eating. If you watch the way I was eating, the distance of the food to my trousers. I was conscious of what I was wearing. Are you conscious of who you are wearing? You are put on Christ. So you are conscious. For example, you are walking in town. And all of a sudden, ordinary man, black car stopped. People saluted you. He said, hey, it's a here. And they said, sir, master, you are the president of Ghana, sir. Sit inside like car, sir. You are just wondering, what is this? You sat in the car. They took you to the White House. Or Flagstaff House. <laughs> they dress you up. Now, new position. Now, if you were eating at a water joint, will you go back to go and eat at that water joint? <laughs> if you are urinating at any bush, <laughs> when you see a visitor coming, you're like... <laughs> now, will you urinate anywhere again? Will you go and poop on public toilet? No, sir. Why? Position change my behavior. When men know their position, their behavior will change. So, when we preach the gospel, we tell men their status. What is status? What is happening in your life? Christ is happening. When a man knows who is happening in him, 
how he behaves change. How he talks change. Now a president cannot stand there and say, Hey, Burujibo! Can a president do that? No, he, he purges his words. Hello, people of Ghana. <laughs> it is my kindest gesture to inform you that Ghana is going somewhere. Uh, I'm going to build you uh, one factory and one dam. changes why position what is the problem Christians are not conscious of who they are unfortunately we have wrong preachers in the market they tell people do good and God will love you instead of preaching God loves you let his love change you to do good they say do right and be accepted this is the same message that the devil preached the Bible says God made man in his own image and likeness. Who was man? Man was like God. And Satan said, if you eat, you become like God, knowing good from evil. So what is Satan saying? You are not like God. Go and eat before you become like God. It's the same message pre preachers are preaching for the devil. Saying that, do this and you become. So he says, do right to become righteous. When God says you are righteous, so do right. So, the devil tells you to perform to become. He said to Jesus, if you are the son of God, turn this stone into bread. Jesus understood what he was trying to do. What he did in the garden. He's bringing it here. That means if I don't turn, I'm not the son of God. Same formula. No, remember, remember. No, the same temptation of Adam, the same temptation of Jesus. He said, oh, so the Bible says, when, the, uh, when she realized that it was good, and it was desirable to gain wisdom. She took it and ate. It was the same thing. That same temptation. The devil always wants you to perform. When you do right, then you feel you are righteous. That's wrong. You are righteous first, then that righteousness becomes an empowerment for right living. I'm a righteous man. I am forgiven. Come on, shout, I'm forgiven. Shout, I am forgiven. I am eternally completely once and for all forgiven in Genesis chapter 14 this is the last bomb I pray you have mercy on me because I don't have mercy on you the verse 18 Abraham's cousin who was Lot was captured and Abraham went to save him. On his way coming, he met a man called Melchizedek. Look at what the Bible said. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth what? Brought forth what? Brought forth what? Bread and wine. I'll come there. That's why I said note it. And he was what? The priest of the Most High God. Look at the next verse. He said, and he did what? He did what? Who blessed who? Melchizedek blessed Abraham. Good. And blessed Abraham of the Most High God. Uh, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. Look at the next verse. And blessed be the Most High God, which had delivered thine enemies into thy hands. 
And he, who is the he? Abraham. Gave what? Him what? Tithes of all. All what? All what? You are confused now. Because you don't know what I'm saying. I'm about to say. All what? All he had. What did he have? The spoils, the goods they took when they went to deliver Lot. So the spoils, people's spoils was what he took. So when he met Melchizedek, he gave him a tithe of all the spoils. Note carefully. Now, I'm very sorry if this is going to affect some people here. Because most of the time, we've, we've used it to teach about tithing. Now listen to me. I don't have a problem with tithing. I don't have a problem Believers who give a tenth, those who don't give. There are believers who have decided, no, even if tenth or not tenth, they will still not give. It's your own cup of tea. I don't even give tenth. I give above. Sometimes 15, sometimes 20, sometimes 25. So I don't walk by ten. I must hope. No. But listen to this. Please listen to this carefully. This one was not even, should be, it's not even supposed to be used as a doctrine to fight against tithing or non-tithing. This is dividing the church. If you tell the church to take tithes, to take 10% of their salaries for the work of God, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you tell them if they don't give, they'll go to hell, there's something wrong with that because that is not a teaching of the New Testament. If you tell them that they are cursed if they don't give, there's something wrong because the Bible says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made what? A curse. So God cannot put a curse he took on the cross. We need to get this. But tithing has to be taught in a New Testament way. But this scripture is not even one of them. You know why? Because number one, the Bible says Melchizedek blessed him before he gave. What we tell people that when you give, then God will bless. But the Bible says Melchizedek blessed him first. Then he gave tenths of all. So you can't even use that. If you're going to use that, you're in trouble. Then you're going to say God blesses you first before you give him. And that's even valid. Number two. Let's read further what happened. And the king of Sodom said to Abraham, please pay attention. Give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. He says, hey, give me the people. And if you like, take the spoils, the rest of the spoils. Look at what Abraham said. He said, and Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up my hand unto the Lord, the most high, the possessor of heaven and earth. Look at the next verse. Hmm. That I will not take from a thread even to a shoe lashet. And that I will not take anything that is mine. Lest thou should say, I have made Abraham rich. You know what it means? When Abraham gave the 10 to Melchizedek, he gave the 90 back to them. So Abraham went home empty-handed. So if you are going to use this to teach Thai, that means after giving your 10, return the 90 back to your boss or bring the rest back to church. Abraham did not take the 90. Look at the next verse. 15 verse 1. After Abraham gave everything out. Look. Chapter 15 verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Saying, fear not Abraham, because God knows he didn't have anything. I am thy shield and thy exceedingly great reward. So do you see, we are on the same terms. So, if you want to teach, on, don't use this scripture for supporting that. Because you'll be in trouble. Now, those days, this one was a customary right. When you meet a man in town who is higher than you, whatever you have at that time, you give a 10 from it. Remember, this is not what Abraham worked for. It is what somebody worked for that he went to take. 
When he gave the tenth, he retained the rest. What was the message in this scripture? We need to get the real message and not fight. No. When I see people fighting, we must pay 10. We must pay. We must not pay 10. Listen, me, I'm not on any side. Because there are people who give 10 out of obligation. And there are those who give 10 out of joy. But God loves a cheerful giver. So look. Come to the verse 18. 14, 18. You see, the real message is what we are missing. The real message is what the church is missing. And we use that to support argument. Instead of seeing the real message, look, look, Melchizedek, the king of Salem. This guy was a king, number one. Salem means peace, king of peace. And brought forth what? Bread and wine. What does bread and wine mean to us in the New Testament? The body and the blood of Jesus. He gave it to Abraham and blessed him. And he was the priest of what? The Most High. Who was this guy? He was a king and a priest. He gave him bread and wine and did what? Blessed him. Hebrews chapter 7. Look, now the New Testament is the explanation of Old Testament. So if you see something you are confused about, come and search the New Testament for explanation. Now he's going to tell us who this Melchizedek was representing. Look, for this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High, who met Abraham, returning from the slaughter of the kings, and did what? Blessed him. Next verse. To whom? Also, Abraham gave a ten part of all, first being by the interpretation. King of what? What is interpretation there? He's interpreting what happened in that verse. This guy is the king of righteousness. That means he presides over all righteousness. Look, after that also, the king of what? Salem, which is king of peace. Next verse. Without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of days, but make like unto the Son of God, abided a priest. Who was Melchizedek pointing to? What did he give to Abraham? The Bible tells us that in Abraham's seed, God would bless. He gave the tent to Abraham into his seed and blessed him. Who was the bread and the wine representing? Christ's redemptive work. He gave it to Abraham and he seed and blessed him. Telling us the blessing he gave to him was redemption. Redemption. He gave him redemption. So Melchizedek was a type of Christ who appeared in Genesis 14 to confirm that Jesus will come and die and give his life as a ransom for redemption for all men. And Abraham was the one who received it. Abraham received it. Abraham received it. Redemption. Forgiveness. Justification. He gave him bread and wine. Finished work. When Jesus 
Matthew 26, 28. Look at what he gave to the disciples. Matthew 26, 28. Come to the verse 26. As they were eating, Jesus took what? What did Melchizedek give to Abraham? And blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples. And says, take it. This is what? My body. What was the bread? His body. What was the bread Melchizedek gave to Abraham? His body. Next verse. And he took the cup and gave thanks, gave it to them, saying, drink ye what? All of it. Next verse. For this is my blood. What was the wine Melchizedek gave to Abraham? What's that blood? He says, this is the blood of New Testament. What did Melchizedek give to Abraham? New Testament in Christ. Which is shed for many, for what? What, he did, what did Melchizedek give to Abraham? Remission of sins. That was the blessing. So the focus was not on the tent, but many, I've not heard anybody arguing on tide who mentions the bread. And the blessing, that came first before the tent. But everybody says, oh, according to the law of first mention, Abraham was the one who tied first. But I don't know, it was God who blessed him first. Who is a blessed man? A man that is saved. Simple. Because in that salvation, there is forgiveness. In that salvation, there is righteousness. In that salvation, there is eternal redemption. When a man is saved, he is completely forgiven. When he received Christ, he received the forgiveness of sins. That is the blessing of Abraham. That is the blessing we have in Christ. Last verse, we close. Acts chapter 3, the verse 26. Thank you, Lord. Let's read 24 first. Look. Yea, Peter was talking to the Jews. And all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. Next verse. Ye are children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham. What did he say unto Abraham? And in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be what? Blessed. Next verse. Unto you first God, having done what? Raised up his son. Who is Abraham's seed? Abraham's seed was not Isaac. Oh God. Abraham's seed was not Isaac. When God promised Abraham about his seed, he was referring to Christ. Galatians chapter 3. Let's get there first. Hmm. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Are you there? Good. Galatians 3. Let's read the verse 15. Look. Brandring, I speak after the manner of men. Though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannuleth or added thereunto. Look at the verse 16. 
He says, now to Abraham and his seed, where the promises what made. Abraham and what? His seed. Look at it. He saith not unto his seeds, as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Who is the seed of Abraham? Who were the promises made to Christ? How do we enjoy this fulfillment? Because we are in Christ. Acts chapter 3, verse 26. Now you are going to understand this. Unto you first God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you. What is the blessing? Turning away every one of you from his iniquity. What is the blessing of Abraham? That Jesus will be raised from the dead. And he will bless us with forgiveness. I am blessed with forgiveness. I'm blessed with forgiveness. Come on, Charlotte, I'm blessed with forgiveness. I am blessed with forgiveness. I am blessed with forgiveness. Come on, shout one more time. I am blessed with forgiveness. Forgiveness is my blessings in Christ. Forgiveness is my blessings in Christ. Please sit down a minute. Forgiveness is my blessings in Christ. I have the forgiveness of sins. I have the forgiveness of sins. Now, question, if a man does a mistake and he begs God to forgive him, what is he saying? I don't have it. But Ephesians 1, 7 says, in whom you have what? Which is the forgiveness of sins. So if you're saying, God, I beg you, give me. God is saying, where am I going to get it from? You have it. You have it. Listen, this teaching is not the favorite of religious men. If you listen to my teaching, you will never be religious. And religious men will never listen to my teaching. And I don't really care. Are you following this? We will teach what Christ has done for men. And when men see what Christ has done for them, it affects their very work with God. I told you, knowing you are forgiven destroys the power of sin consciousness. And it makes you enjoy what Christ has done for you. I am forgiven. I am complete, completely, eternally, once and for all forgiven. From today, when you think of blessing, don't think of things. There are many Christians today, I know many of you, you are disappointed in yourself and disappointed in God. Because throughout the year, you said, ah, when we enter the year, God said so many things will happen. We are in November. Next week, we are entering December. God has done nothing for me. You see that mentality? You see how that mentality is killing you? So now you begin to check yourself. Listen, if you are going to go by that grade, then God has done nothing for me. Are you following this? So many Christians end the year with shame on their path and they feel shame, ashamed on God and they put blames on God. Another year, God, I'm not married again. I'm staying single. Stay single. 
it's better than rushing to enter into a marriage that will give you problems. Praise God. Don't let anyone rush you. Hey, brother, five years you are still not working. And you are happy. You know, then all of a sudden start thinking, ah, all my mates are ahead of me now. All my mates are ahead of me. God. So all the years of my prayer, what is wrong? Listen, you are losing focus. You are comparing yourself. You see friends having new bags, new rights, new phones. You check your phone, the screen is spot. This year, the only time you went to the bank, you went to take money for your boss. You were seeing the money, yet you didn't enjoy the money. He said, this year, nobody has even given me a gift. Ah, God. Is something following me. Nothing is following you. If many of us were in Apostle Paul's time, we, we would have recommended Apostle Paul for deliverance. The things that guy went through. If Paul tells you, say, Paul, go for deliverance. I'm telling you. Just because he obeyed God. Listen, it is not every obedience that will bring you riches. You read what I said? It is not every obedience that will end you, making you live a good life. God's goodness is not seen in properties. It is seen in what Christ has done. God's blessings is in what Christ has done. God's faithfulness is in what Christ has done. Did you hear that? So, if you had an accident and you had an injury, it doesn't mean God was not faithful. Did you hear what I said? So, sometimes we hear that God delivers some people from accidents. Some also had the accident in there. He said, oh God. So these people, nothing happened to them. Me, something happened to me. You see, now we are grading God's faithfulness. It can never be revealed in things. He died for me. He gave me forgiveness. I'm blessed. Lift your hands and begin to bless me.